Try again? Okay. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. If you want to come in, find a seat. If you've got a Bible, please open it to Hebrews chapter 1. Starting a new sermon series today in the book of Hebrews. We'll be going through this, the whole of this term. There'll be a break for Christmas and then we'll finish it up into the new year. The young people are in with us today. They too are going to be studying the book of Hebrews as well alongside us. So we'll have lots of good fun things to look at. Before we get into it this morning though, we're going to watch a short video. It's going to appear on the screen behind you. So are we ready to roll that, Aaron? Let's do that. Please watch watch the... The video. Okay, here is a little bit clearer now. That's what we're going to be looking over the next, I think it's 17 weeks in all, we'll be going through the book of Hebrews. So if you want to re-look at that, it's on our Facebook page, it's on our website, it's something just to review as you're going through um, Hebrews uh, in your own time. We've entitled this series, Jesus is Better which kind of carries on that theme that runs through the book. Better than what? Well, as we saw, he's better than the old priesthood. It's better than the law that came. It's better than the sacrifice, everything else. But actually, let's be honest. What's Jesus better than? Everything. Everything. Absolutely everything. So that's the theme of what we're going to do today. So if you've got your Bible, we're just going to read the first few verses of this letter, and uh, then we'll have a little look at that. It says here, Long ago, at many times and in many ways... God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power." After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. All right, that's what we're going to leave it today. We'll come back to the rest rest of that chapter next week. All right, before we get into that, I don't know if you knew this, I'll look up some stats um, this week. I don't know if you realize now with the advent of the internet and uh, social media and all those bits and pieces that... 7 million users in the UK are currently using online dating websites. I don't know if you're aware of that. 7 million people in the UK alone are using them. One in five relationships now start through online interaction. That's where it begins. That's just the age when people meet each other online. Um, I also, also saw that apparently 81% of people lie about their height, weight or figure on these kind of things. So it's not always honest, but that, that's what happens. And I know at least three marriages, um, godly Christian marriages that have uh, met online and they've now married, got children. I was at one of them. Um, but the idea of these things, when you kind of go on online dating, is to present the best of yourself. How do I make myself look good? How do I get the best photo of myself that someone looking on the other side will think he, she looks pretty great? And what you say about yourself, you want to put the best things about your character and what your interests are and try and present your best self to the watching world, because that's what the internet is now. Literally, the world seems to be able to get and have a look at your life. And what we've got here at the beginning of Hebrews is the author, who we're not sure who he is, we've seen in the video, is trying to present something about Jesus. And he's presenting the best possible images. He says, I want to write and I want you to understand that Jesus is better than anything. 
but in everything, so I need to present some stuff to you so you've got that. So he writes seven things we're going to look at, go through quickly and say, this is what he's like. This is who Jesus is. And I want you, through reading these things, to understand that Jesus is so important. He is so far above everything else. That as we explore this and unpack this through the, the rest of the letter in detail, you've got this in your mind, this theme. So he starts off with this kind of broadside of information about Jesus. And he said that he says, long, a long, long ago and at many times, God spoke to our fathers. The fathers would be their ancestors, the Jewish people. We've looked at that, talked about that Abraham, God came to Abraham, his Subsequent children, we looked at Joseph, particularly the nation of Israel. They go into the promised land, etc., etc. They have the words of the law and then the prophets and histories and all those bits we read in our Old Testament. God spoke to his people by all those things. And that's what he has done. He has, he has spoken to them. But now, but now in these last days, which is the time between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming, he has now spoken to us by his Son. This is so much better than what has come before. Not that, was, not that what come before wasn't true. There is a greater revelation of truth. It has increased by the coming of the Son. And the whole theme of the letter is built around this. And this is what he's trying to get across the people. is saying, everything's changed because Jesus has come. What came before, there were messengers, there were prophets, many prophets. Even Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, he was called a prophet. And then there were the ones who we call the prophets. People like Isaiah have books named after them. They're the prophets. But he says he's spoken in those times. And he's revealed himself in the songs of David, reading the Psalms. He says, but now he's spoken to us by his son. And this God, he is God's final word. It's almost like lots of these other things came along one after the other. Da, 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 and it's now I've come to the biggest and the best. And I've let, saved the best for last. And it's now his son has come. And this is the final one. There's no more after because you can't get better. You can't get higher than this. Jesus has come to communicate God's message to his people. And he, he says seven things about them. And we're just going to quickly go through them. The first one. It says he is the messianic heir. It says whom he appointed heir to all things. Now this, as that video said, there's lots of allusions and quotations back to the Old Testament throughout Hebrews. And this is an allusion to Psalm uh, 2 verse 8 where it talks about the Lord speaking to someone saying, I will make the, the nations of the world your inheritance. And the, the Jewish people believe that there would be one coming later who would basically inherit the whole earth they would inherit they would be the king they would be the one who would be the ruler over all things and they were waiting and he would be in the line of david david their greatest king he killed goliath he was the one they were like whoa david he was a mighty warrior everyone looked up to him be like david he said one is coming greater than david who will be the heir of all things and he'll be part of david's line jesus is that one we know when we get to the Christmas story, not long to go, 15 Sundays now till Christmas, we're going to all read those passages that will be read out in churches about that Joseph was from David's line. He had to go back to the town. Which town did he have to go back to? Bethlehem. Why? Because it was David's town to have a son who was Jesus. He was from the line of David. He was this messianic heir. And he is the one who is going to, he's going to go, he's going to, everything one day will be his. We see that when Jesus comes again and we, we look forward to Revelation. Everything will one day be called up to him. He's the one who's going to be the ruler of all things. Everything comes to him. So he's, going to be, he's the heir to everything. We've got an heir in this country, haven't we? Which one is it? William. 
the heir to the throne. When he gets it, he'll be the ruler of the commonwealth or whatever it is. But he, sorry? Owen Charles. Yeah, we, we skip over Charles. I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping for William. But we don't get political in this chair. I'm just saying. Trying to remain neutral unless it's that. Anyway, moving on. He's not only the heir though. The heir's great because the heir gets everything. He receives everything. But what does he say straight after that? He created everything. So he's not just the heir to it all. He made it all. Jesus is the one who made everything. He created absolutely everything. And this is, well, if you get into the, the original language, isn't just terming, terms in terms of just kind of, uh, they, they describe it in terms of time and space. So it's not just like everything we see now, but it's in terms of periods of time. Everything in this age, everything in the age to come. He created it all. He's, whole, he's the one who's everything you can see, everything we can't see. He created there you go, everything belongs to him. Of course he's the heir to it all. It's all his. He created it. And we read in our New Testament, uh, the beginning with John, when Jesus came, the beginning of John's gospel, what's it say? John 1 verse 3, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made, John says in his gospel. It says in Colossians, the beginning of Colossians, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Thrones, dominions, and powers. In our series, uh, series on Proverbs, we did just for the summer, chapter 8, we looked at this specifically, where wisdom was talking about being, being there at creation, seeing it being created. That was Jesus he was talking about. He is the one who created all things. So not only is the heir of all things, he's the one who created it. Then we get the next thing. It says he shows us what God is like. And it's got those two things that the... Um, the video pointed out where it says there were two declarations about him. It talks about him being the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. What the author is trying to do there is trying to find images that people understand to say Jesus is basically just like God. He's just like God. We think about the sun and the rays of the sun. Almost you can't separate them. They're so connected one to the other. Jesus is just like God. Just like the, the, the signet ring when they put it on the wax seal to send a document or a letter. The, 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 the impression is exact representation of what was on the ring. They're connected. Jesus is God. He's God himself and he's come to earth and revealed himself to us. We read again in John's Gospel... That when one of his disciples was querying Jesus about God, and he was saying, "What's God? Show us what God's like." And, and Jesus says to him, "says I think it was Philip." He says, "It was Philip." He says, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father." So basically, I am God. You just have to look at me. I reveal something. God was always mysterious in the Old Testament, kind of removed, holy, above, transcendent. Jesus himself then comes to earth and says, this is what God's like. Look at me. Look at my life. Listen to my teaching. Follow me. That's what was so important. It says in Colossians, describing Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. He reveals God to us. That's what this Jesus is like. That's who he is. Incredible. Then it says after that, it says he holds everything together. And it, the verse says he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So not only is Jesus the one who created everything, the builder, the maker of it all, he's the one who literally sustains it second by second. The universe isn't this kind of clock that's been wound up put on the shelf and left to just tick down till its inevitable demise when the sun 
whatever it's going to do goes cold, implodes, supernova, and wipes out the universe. No, Jesus is sustaining it actively, second by second. Put your hand on your chest like this. Can you feel your heart beating? I read, if you can't, we'll call 999. Just saying. But hopefully you can. You might have to, where is it? Find it. Apparently, the adult heart pumps between 6,000 and 7,500 liters daily. That's between 1,500 and 2,000 gallons of blood every day being pumped around your body. The reason your heart is still pumping now is because Jesus is sustaining it. He's holding it all together. Stars in the sky. I mentioned it last time we took our boys camping over the summer. They saw stars. There are about 10 billion galaxies in the observable universe. I love that they're always really round numbers. Not 11, but 10 billion galaxies in the observable universe. The number of stars in the galaxy varies, but assuming there are 100 billion stars per galaxy means that there are about a billion trillion stars in the observable universe. Each one in their course, each one spinning, each one glowing, each one whatever stars do. The reason they're still doing that is because Jesus is holding it all together. He's the one directing planets and stars and galaxies and cosmos, as well as the tiny kind of parts of our body that are working. It says in Colossians 1, and in him, Jesus, all things hold together. All things hold together. And they also implies in that language, not only is he kind of just upholding, sustaining, he's actually directing the universe. There is a consummation coming. It says, we read in the book of Revelation, there is an end point coming that has been set where Jesus will come again, judge the living and the dead, and wrap it all up. And he is not only sustaining it, but he is, he is driving it on that trajectory towards that. It's only going one way, and Jesus is the one doing that. So not only is he heir to it all, he created it all, he is God, and he is holding it all in motion now and driving it towards its conclusion. Number five, it says, he dealt with the problem, the problem. It makes this line, it just says, after making purification for sins, it will come back to more of that as we go through the letter, but this is now shifted from the cosmic, up there, to the very personal, from the kind of the transcendent God to a very imminent thing with us. And he's describing the acts of Jesus on his atoning sacrifice on the cross and subsequent resurrections. Jesus dealt with the problem of human beings. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. And Jesus dealt with that. Human sin, rebellion towards a holy God. Our desire, although we are created, finite, mortal, we wanted to be in charge and we wanted to rule. And actually there was a holy God who already had that job. And that put a barrier between us and God, our sin, our separation. We sang about that. The chasm was just far too wide. Which is, you can't get there. There's no way across. And we are rightly under God's judgment as a result because we are rebels. But that has been dealt with in Christ because he came to earth as God and man together. He lived a perfect life, died a death on the cross, rose from death victorious bodily, having defeated the power of sin, Satan, and death, rose triumphant and said, I am king of kings and lord of lords. And he sent out his people Go to all the world, tell them the good news that man can find forgiveness. And the fact that we can come into the presence of God this morning anytime, 
as believers and just pray and seek his forgiveness and just worship him and ask for health and trouble is because of what Jesus has done. And Jesus is the one who's dealt with that problem. He's the only one who could deal with that problem. And it's kind of put in a very little phrase there after making purification from sins because we were defiled, it purified us, which is what all the sacrificial system was about, but it never, never did the job. It needed one sacrifice, one ultimate sacrifice, which was Christ, who was perfect, after making purification. So he's dealt with the problem. So are you thinking this Jesus is good? Yeah. yeah. So he dealt with the problem. Number six, he has been given the highest position. So he's dealt with this problem, it says, after making purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What that's saying is kind of Christ completed his work on the cross. He ascended into heaven, we read, and there's that image of sitting down, kind of God's right hand. The image of the right hand is an image of position and power. So actually he's going to a position of power. The image of sitting shows a, um, a kind of a, a finished work. What did Christ say on the cross just before he died? Last words. It is finished. Don't you love that at the end of the day? (laughs) Come home. It's done. Although we've always got more to do, haven't we? But with Christ, it was over. It was finished. So they got this image of him sitting at the right hand of Father. His atoning work done for us in that sense, in terms of he he has done what he needed to do to set us free. And it's another allusion here to Psalm 110 verse 1. Where it says, uh, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand and I'll make the enemies your footstool. That psalm comes up a lot in the life of Jesus. If you read the gospel, quotes it to the Sanhedrin and other ones saying, actually, that, I'm that one. I'm that one who's been given that highest authority over all things. And rightly so for what he's done. So we see Jesus, he's the heir of all things. He created all things. He is God himself. He holds all things together. He's dealt with the problem of sin. He now seated at the highest position of authority, king of kings, lord and lords over everything. And then our last one, number seven, he has a greater name. He has a greater name. Because it says, having become as much superior to angels as the name he's inherited is more excellent than theirs. What is that name? He is the son. Because that's what it said right at the beginning. It says God has spoken to us all these different ways. Now he's spoken to us by his son. He is the greatest one. He has the greatest name above everything. And it puts him far above angels. We'll look at this more next week, what that kind of means. Because the the author then sort of starts to unpack that. But he has that great position of authority. There is no one else in creation who has that position. No one else who has that relationship with the Father in heaven. He is the son. He is the one who is above everything. He is not a created being. He is God himself. And he has this kind of role from, from the exaltation when he became, he rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and it's, sort of, it's been recognized now publicly before the cosmos, before angels watching, before demons watching, before the earth watching. He is now the Son enthroned in glory, and he will stay in glory forever. And one day we will all see that. Regardless of whether you believe it or not, you will see it because he's returning. And it says he came first time, kind of in humility, in almost secrecy. We didn't see him. Next time he comes, he's going to burst through the gates of the sky. And it says every eye will see. And everyone will know that he is Lord of Lords and above all things. And Jesus, the message that came through him is greater than any message that came through angels, which will we'll unpack further but he is the greatest one he is above everything so if we just look at the summary if you want to put that summary up 
Aaron, the last one. This is who he is. This is what he's saying right at the beginning of this letter. This should arrest us and grip us. This is one he's going to talk about for the next 13 chapters. This is Jesus. He says he is the heir of all things, which means everything is his. Everything is due to him because he created it. He is God himself presenting himself, revealing himself to all who would see. He says he holds everything together. He's dealt with the fundamental problem in our hearts of our rebellion towards God. He's been given the highest position of authority above all principalities, all powers. There are so many things going on in the world that you read the newspaper and you see on the TV. Kind of nations squabbling. Nations fighting, and then there are deep repercussions of that. I don't want to trivialize it, but when you compare it to Christ exalted above everything, it says in, um, in the Bible that the Lord laughs at nations who think they've got it sorted, who think they're more stronger than the other nation, who want to oppress, who want to do all these things, these wicked, evil things. And this is the Lord laughs because he is the one who has all authority and all power. He's the one enthroned above everything, and he has a great name. He is the Son. He is the son. That's why we say the church, we're all about Jesus. We're all about making his name known because he's the special one. He's greater than all things. Now, what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? If this is who this Jesus is, if this is what's going to happen in, in everything, what does this mean for us here? I'm just looking for some of my notes, which I've lost, which I've probably left at home. No, they're gone. That's fine. It was something really exciting I was going to read to you, but I've left it at home. Another time, maybe, but that's okay. But what does it mean for us? It means Jesus Christ is the only one qualified to be the all-sufficient Savior. He's the only one qualified to be King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the only one qualified to be in all authority over our lives. And this presents us with some challenges today. So I want to ask you a quick, simple question. Where is your hope and where is your trust? Where is your hope and where is your trust? Because if it's not in Jesus, it's in the wrong place. If it's not in Jesus, it's in the wrong place. Just look at his profile. Look at who he is. If you put your hope and trust anywhere else, you are building on a foundation of sand that will one day give. It will one day let you down. It will ultimately lead to your destruction. If you're an unbeliever here, if you say, no, I'm not a Christian. I'm just trying church. I've just been dragged along this morning. I'm just coming to see. I want to challenge you with you. You need to take some time to consider Jesus, to consider what the Bible says about him. It's not just me because like I've worked something out. I'm not. I'm just reading what it says and telling you what it says. It's all in here, God's word, to communicate to you about Jesus. I want to encourage you, if you haven't been on Alpha, we've got an Alpha course starting for the guys. Get involved in that. Try that. Have some of your questions answered. Keep coming along to, with us here on a Sunday. Get involved in our community and get involved with us. Ask questions. I and some other people who say they ask Christians, say, what does it mean to you for this Jesus? He seems really important. How's he affected your life? What's he done with you? What's happened to you? Give me some real stories about what's gone on in your life. If you know that you need to make a commitment to follow Jesus, you need to pray. You need to talk to him because he's been here with us all morning. He's not going anywhere. And you need to talk to him about the situation in your life. You need to realize that before him you're a rebel. And that's not a cool word, that's a bad word. 
and that you've rebelled against a holy, righteous God who wants good for you, and you've gone your own way, and you've said, you know what, stuff you. I'm going to do my thing. And you need to seek forgiveness for that. You need to repent, the Bible word is, which means turn around, go the other way. Say you're sorry for your sins, sorry for what you've done, and put your faith and trust in him. And God never turns away someone who comes to him. And so that's what you need to do. You need to get yourself right with God, and God will love you, transform you, and take you on into his purposes. But you need to do that. If you're a believer here, if you're a believer here, you need to get your eyes on him. You need to fix your eyes on him. I want to challenge you, what are your eyes on? What are you looking at? What are you putting your hope and faith and trust in? What are you kind of building your life on? Because there are so many things it could be. We build our life on our career because we want to get good jobs. We want to provide, which aren't in themselves bad things. Good thi- when good things become God things, that's when they become bad. Good things are fine as long as they don't take God's place. If you think your career is the one that's going to save you, it's going to destroy you. If you think it's your children because you invest all your time in your children because they're your little kind of everything's about them. That's ultimately going to destroy you. It's about finding a relationship, finding kind of love, finding fulfillment in connection with another person that ultimately will one day destroy you because you'll make them your God and they will destroy you. What is your hope and trust on? What are you putting your eyes in? Let me make some suggestions to you that I think might be good things to think about today. If you're going to put your hope and trust in him, if you're going to actually say, this is who you are, God, I recognize what it says, I want to build in his hope, you need to give time to him daily to build that relationship, to, to, to focus on him, to, to model your life around him, build it around him. If you re, you'd be reading your Bible, I encourage you to be reading the book of Hebrews along with us. I got an, a WhatsApp message because I am tech savvy this week um, from my life group saying what we're going to be doing in life group this week and it said that you need to come with your Bible and what we're going to do is we're going to share with each other how we read our Bible, how do we fit it into our sort of daily routine then once we fit it into our daily routine, what do we actually do? How do we read our Bible? What are we going to do? And we're going to share ways, and then we're going to talk about how we're going to read through Hebrews together as a group to kind of go alongside the sermon series, and very exciting. So that's what we're going to be doing in Life Group this week, how we're going to do it today. I know um, in preparation for this, I read um, through Hebrews a number of times just to kind of, as I was preparing the sermon, I used that video to help me kind of get a lot, let's get an idea of it, read my commentaries. Those, um, the image that they make as part of the video, you can actually just print out onto an A4 sheet, you know, because they let you download it for free. Um, and so I shoved that in my, I printed that out and I put that in the front of my journal so I got it to refer to, to help me. I'm giving away all the things I'm now going to share on life group but that's just what I'm doing I'm just telling with you that's what helped me so okay always when I'm reading a bit of here I think where does it fit okay it fits in that bit oh that makes sense and I can cover it but I'm you need to be thinking how practically am I going to get that into my life because if Jesus is who the author's saying he is we need to give him time and presence in our life and life group is a really important place to do that. It's where we build it into kind of the church life. And I know where we're going this week, but it's fantastic. Uh, we're going to come together, we're going to eat, we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to pray together, which is what we want to do with Life Group. Another great way to kind of get Jesus into your life is through music and singing. Hands up, who knows, we've released a song as a church that's been written internally that's gone out. Who's downloaded that and listened to that? 
Well, I think a few more hands. We sent the thing out. It's written some songs here. We're recording some. But there are hundreds of other songs written by Christians from all over the world that you can kind of get into and sing along. And no matter what your musical taste is, there will be something for you. You know, wherever it is. And so what we do, I think one of the great ways to remind ourselves daily who Jesus is, what he's done, is to be singing songs. And I'm not really a singer. That's not my bag. You know, I do it, but it's not something that I'm actually particularly good at. But I love listening to music, and I love having it on, and I love kind of playing worship songs. And I've got a few that I'm listening to recently that kind of go around and around, because there's something about them that's kind of connected me. So I, I have it on my phone, and I've got the sort of video on YouTube, and I, I put it on when I'm doing the clearing up and have a sing. And just, I'm just reminded of who God is and what God's done and how amazing Jesus is. It's got to the point now where the boys have cottoned on to the one I'm listening to and Levi comes to me my eldest and he says daddy put that song on <laughs> which one because I know the ones your mummy plays to you you know One Direction you... <laughs> not that one not that one not doing, not, not doing One Direction on this one and he said no no that one he said the one about the lion which is what I'm singing the lion of Judah he said the lion I want the lion song so we play the lion of Judah song we sing that way and it's fantastic but for me it's just another way of kind of connecting with me and I'm inadvertently training my children with it as well but it's just a way of getting it into our life when you're on your commute you've got your phones and your iPods and you put something good on don't listen to junk there's so much the world wants to feed you that is just rubbish and lies in music which you listen to sometimes, but actually, on the whole, it's pretty immoral tosh. You know, listen to something that's good, that's uplifting, full of truth. Build that into your life. Think, I'm going to sing, and I'm going to praise, and I'm going to do that. And seamlessly, we're going to finish with that. We're going to spend some time now putting our eyes and our focus on Jesus. And we're going to be singing some songs about him, about how awesome and mighty he is. So do you want to just stand up? Do you want to just close your eyes? I just want to pray and then we're going to sing some stuff and we'll see what God wants to do and see what kind of he's been saying to people, which would be great. But I just want us at this first bit, at this outset, to just put our eyes on Jesus. He is awesome. He is mighty. He is holy. He is above everything. Jesus is better than everything. Everything this world could offer, every pleasure you can think of, every satisfaction you could find in absolutely anything, Jesus is better. Jesus is the only one who will bring fulfillment that will not end. No matter what we try to find our satisfaction and our fulfillment in, in our life, ultimately has ended or we've, we end up you want more you get that one thing and you think no it doesn't satisfy I need the next thing I need more I need a, the next relationship the next item the next gadget the next set of clothes the next meal whatever it is ultimately it doesn't satisfy the only one who can is Christ why? because he is who he said he was he is who the author of Hebrews wrote down for us God's word say this is who he is and we need to take that on board So Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, I want to thank you that you are the heir above all things. You are the one who everything is due to because you created it. Lord Jesus, 
You created everything, everything we see, everything we don't see. Lord, we want to thank you that you are God the Son. You are God himself who came to earth. Lord, I want to thank you that you hold everything together. Every little thing that's happening now, all our bodies, all the stars in the sky, everything is being held together by you. Lord, I thank you that the problem of human sin you dealt with completely, totally, utterly, magnificently. Once for all, complete, done, gone. Lord, I thank you that you rule and reign in the most highest place, exalted, far above everything. And one day we will see that. And Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your name, the name of God the Son, highest one, mighty one. I want to say we love you, Lord. We praise you. We want to give you thanks today. Lord, you are wonderful. You are amazing. You are better, Lord, than all things.